Hello and welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, your one-stop shop for expert advice on the smart way to get in. My name is Kayla and each episode I'll bring you an interview with a former admissions officer, a graduate of a top college, or an admissions expert. These interviews will take you inside the admissions office and will be full of behind-the-scenes knowledge, first-hand experiences, and application tips that will help you get into your dream school. If you'd like to chat with one of these experts, you can sign up for a free consultation at the link in the description of this episode. But before you do that, let's hear from Mary Miller, a former assistant director of admissions at Oberlin College, about liberal arts colleges. Hi, Mary. Thank you for joining us today. Well, it is a pleasure to be here. Well, I wanted to have you on because, as anyone who is familiar with liberal arts colleges knows, you uh, used to work for one, uh, and we are kind of in the season of college research and looking at schools, and I know I really knew nothing about liberal arts colleges when I was in high school, so I wanted to put the information out there for the people listening so they know that these schools are great options for them. Well, I appreciate you choosing to talk about liberal arts colleges, because I certainly love talking about liberal arts colleges. Um, I first got interested in them mainly for their size, because I had gone to a relatively small school and was planning on going to a school out of state. And so I was just a little nervous about going to a very big school on top of that. But then after going, I realized there's actually a lot of benefits in the schools, not related to their size as well. Um, and I'm looking forward to kind of talking them through with you today. But that was what was first attractive to me was that they tend to be a lot smaller than some of the, the large universities. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to hear about it. Cause like I said, I knew nothing about them. I think I still have a lot to learn about liberal arts colleges. So I'm excited to learn along with our listeners today. Great. Um, so I'm hoping we can kind of just start off with a general what is a liberal arts college? What makes a college classified as that um, for anyone who is completely unfamiliar? Okay, well, so there's a couple of factors that go into being a liberal arts college and something that it may, might be interesting for students to know uh, that are looking more for a larger school is a lot of universities actually have a liberal arts college within them which I don't think we're going to get too far into talking about today. But if some of the stuff we're talking about sounds really appealing to you, but you really were set on going to a large school, it is worth looking to see if within a university there's something like a college of general studies, because sometimes there is a lot of overlap with the benefits of a liberal arts college, which with those kinds of schools. Um, but you can look for a couple of key hallmarks of a liberal arts college. One, like I mentioned, tends to be smaller sized. So my own school um, that I attended was Swarthmore College, and that is on the small side. When I was there, it was actually only 1,400 students. Um, it ranges in size from 1,400 to 1,800. Um, and right now, I actually haven't checked for the incoming year but I think it was more in the middle um, in the past couple of years and more like 1600. Now that is a very small liberal arts college, um, but they don't tend to get too much bigger than a few thousand students. So that is just something to be aware of. Um, and with the small size can come a lot of benefits. 
depending on what you want to study, the benefits can be different. So I was a biology major and an English literature major. So for the biology side, I was able to do a lot of lab work with professors, um, not working with graduate students at all. And that was pretty neat, especially when I was just starting out in biology, being able to see what the professors were researching and having them in my labs every week was definitely a very cool experience. Um, you have the option to work with them in their labs if you want to over the summers, even during the school year. I was also an English literature major and the seminars were very small. So when we were analyzing poems, we were doing it in groups of seven or eight people. And that's also very different than what you might see at very large schools. So the small school size is a huge benefit when it comes to a lot of the academic opportunities, especially if you're looking at the elite liberal arts colleges, there's not a loss in terms of quality with the small size either. Mm -hmm. You know, they still tend to have a fair amount of professors and a fair amount of variety. Um, so I think that is probably what you first think of as a hallmark of a liberal arts college is going to be the small size. Um, and I would say the next thing that you see a lot of is that there's going to be a wide range of majors and you don't have to make a decision going in what you want to study. So sometimes when you're looking at a big university, you'll have to decide if you want to go to a business school or a school of nursing. It's kind of a lot more of a professional bent sometimes. You know, you need to know what do you want to do in life. That's not the way it works at a liberal arts college. You get to go in, take a bunch of classes. After your second year, you declare your major. So you get two full years to figure out what it is you want to do. And they do try to make it relatively easy to double major as well. So like I'd mentioned, I was a biology and English literature major. There was no overlap in my classes and I was <laughs> able to take them both. Um, so that's probably the other second major academic hallmark. Um, and I don't want to just keep talking without you asking me questions, but those just as a basis are what I think of right away when I think of liberal arts colleges. Yeah. And I think from what I've kind of read and learned about liberal arts colleges is it's kind of more, I guess, interdisciplinary is the word, um, that even when you choose your major, it's kind of a lot of liberal arts colleges are more lenient with students than maybe some bigger state university about taking classes outside of your major or kind of experimenting with subjects outside of your main one. Yeah, that's absolutely true. They do um, very much encourage you to be exploring and even sometimes creating your own majors that are inter interdisciplinary. Um, but I actually found that you don't need to do that as often as you might think. Um, so sometimes you come in and you think, oh, I'm really into philosophy and I'm really into physics and I think I should try to combine that into one major. And you really don't have to because you have that opportunity to, to have a dual degree. Um, I know my husband also attended a liberal arts college. He had two majors and three minors. Wow. And that was just because he got really into all those classes. And once you take a certain amount of them, you know, often all that's left is to do a capstone project of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, at Swarthmore College, you can only have two majors. You can't also have minors if you have the double major. And they do that as a way to encourage you to take a big range of classes. Mm -hmm. And they don't tell you what classes to take, but they do tell you what areas. Um, you have to take three classes in the social sciences, three in the humanities, and three in the natural sciences. And I've seen that trend repeated in a lot of liberal arts colleges. They are trying not to kind of boss you around. Um, and at the same time, bossing you around and encouraging you to 
pick things that might be a little outside your comfort zone. Um, so the idea is they don't want you to fail, right? They, you know, they don't want you to do things that are really hard for you, but they want you to learn potentially that stuff you thought was hard wasn't so bad. So it was great for me. I actually didn't realize I liked biology. So it I was kind of a good case in point. I took biology because I had to take a science and then ended up really liking it in college, even though I didn't really like it that much in high school. So that is something they're encouraging you to do is that discovery. Um, but even as a senior with two majors, I was still able to take film, which I always wanted to take a film class and that was really fun. Um, so you can still take new things even after you've already decided on your majors. Yeah, definitely. From what I can say of my experience at a large you know, state university I went to, um, the University of Michigan, is that it was really hard for a lot of students to double major. I had several friends that were interested in both music and engineering, and sometimes the school didn't let them study both, um, or they had to jump through a lot of hoops or take an extra year of school. So for those students who have kind of a wide variety of interests, I think liberal arts colleges are a really, really good option. So you don't have to kind of struggle through that administration headache. Yeah, no, they definitely try to make it easy. And the other nice part too, um, and something that you should really ask about when you're touring schools or, you know, doing right now, they're doing a lot of online information sessions with uh, counselors is ask about how the core curriculum works. Because um, th- that really does range from school to school. Typically the liberal arts college core curriculum is a little more flexible. Um, You'll find, I'm a big fan of the Jesuit schools like Boston College um, and Georgetown, they're great. But they do have a pretty strict core curriculum where they're going to dictate to you what classes to take. And it can get tricky. My brother was an engineer um, at a Jesuit school and he was having trouble getting his engineering classes in along with the required theology classes. And Mm -hmm. he doesn't even like theology. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of a good thing to ask in advance, especially if you have a bunch of interests and you want to make sure you'll be able to fully explore them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, there's always going to be, you know, some pros and cons, whichever with every type of curriculum and, you know, how the school handles classes and everything. Um, Kind of going along with that, I feel like we've talked about a lot of the great things about liberal arts colleges. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on if there's any kind of downsides or maybe not necessarily even cons, but, um, you know, things that because liberal arts colleges are this way, this type of student might not do great at that kind of school. So I'm going to start again with the size. Um, There are students that just do not want to be in a school that's less than 2,000 people. Um, Usually the smallest schools do try to compensate for that. So I'm going to use my own school experience again, being at Swarthmore. Um, A lot of liberal arts colleges are located close to some kind of city. So Swarthmore had a train that ran into Philadelphia. And so something that they did is they have, and they still do have an agreement with the University of Pennsylvania so that you can take classes at UPenn. And I took advantage of that my senior year and it was great. Um, I wanted to take Italian and went into the city every day to take Italian. And it was something the college did facilitate. You know, they gave me my train pass um, and it didn't charge me for it. It was all included in me just being a student there. And that was kind of a nice way for me to get off campus and meet other students. I also studied abroad, which hopefully will continue to be a thing after Mm -hmm. the pandemic is done. Um, And that gave me some time away from campus. And so you'll find that a lot of students take some advantage of that. We were also in a consortium with Bryn Mawr and Haverford. Um, 
to give you another example, Amherst is in a five college consortium with a lot of the liberal arts colleges that are up near Amherst. And so if you're looking at a small school and you have some hesitation um, for the size, you also want to find out if it's in a consortium. So Williams, as great a school as it is, is off by itself. So you really want to give some thought to how you feel about that. Williams is also not near a big city. And so for me, you know, I, again, not to talk down on Williams at all, I got in there, I almost went, but that was the thing for me that I decided against it was mm -hmm. it was bigger than Swarthmore, but didn't have some of the things I was looking for. Um, another drawback is the liberal arts colleges often do tend to not be right in downtown, right? So you do have some, um, and though I can, if anyone wants a list later, I can give them to them, but there are <laughs> liberal arts colleges in cities, but you'll find again, when you're talking about the top of the list, most elite schools, when they were founded, they were founded outside of cities. And that was um, purposely done because they, they thought that, and this is probably true, that college students would be distracted by the fun life in the city and not be focused on their studies. So often they're near them, but oddly outside of them, right? 15 miles away, 20 miles mm -hmm. away. So you might be able to get into a city, but it's certainly not the most convenient thing. So you have to think a lot about that too. What kind of life are you looking for? Um, certainly ask a lot of questions about what goes on on campus. Um, because especially if you're gonna be very much on campus and it's not a huge college town, you wanna make sure the entertainment matches up with what you enjoy. So mm -hmm. for example, I, I worked at Oberlin for years and they had, in the course of their school year, they'd have about 300 concerts, which is a lot in a school year um, because Oberlin had its own conservatory and they used to bring music to campus all the time. But if you weren't into music at all, that would be terrible. You know, it's <laughs> incredible if that's what you want and really not great if you're not into it, right? So right. it's not just good to find out what kind of, like how many activities are on campus, but what kind of activities. Um, and again, I don't know if it should turn you off to liberal arts colleges entirely, but you definitely should have some hesitation if you have a certain kind of college experience in mind. And that involves a very large school in a college town and going to the big football games on the weekends and a lot of that stuff um, might just might not be true at smaller schools. They may not be able to have a football team, you know? Um, again, Swarthmore doesn't, Oberlin doesn't, they used to, but they couldn't field them anymore. So, so maybe that athletic life won't be there. The flip side is, and I think we're gonna talk, we'll probably talk a little bit about this later, you could get more involved in a lot of the activities and you could do a range of them. And so that's the benefit. So you might not be able to be in the audience for as many shows, but you might actually get to direct your own play. You know, you might not be able to watch a football team, but maybe you could play on the soccer team, you know? So it it's definitely a range and you just kind of have to think about what do you want to do? And would you be disappointed in this environment based on what your interests are? Or would you be really able to thrive there? Yeah, it's definitely not kind of that stereotypical college experience that I think everyone sees in movies. So I guess that's kind of important to keep in mind if that's what you were always envisioning. But um, like you said, yeah, that's, a, that's a, a perfect way to put it. Honestly, that's that's <laughs> yeah. exactly it. Because for me, it's the only college experience I could imagine because it was mine. But mm -hmm. I've never seen it represented in a movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. But like you said, there's a lot of opportunities to get involved as long as you, you know, of course, do your research and make sure that the kind of activities you want are at the school. Because it's not like a big school where they have literally every club imaginable because there's fewer students that just might not be the case. 
Right, exactly. And it does take more research. I mean, or you could end up being somewhere and be disappointed. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, this still makes me laugh, but a good friend of mine who was at Swarthmore and very much enjoyed it, stayed for four years, for whatever reason, didn't realize that they didn't have archaeology classes there and <laughs> wanted to be an archaeologist. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's just a bad mistake to make, you know? So she ended up majoring in classics. She did get her master's in archaeology at the University of Edinburgh. But um, it struck me as the funniest thing that she wouldn't check that first, you know, given that that's such a directed career path that she had in mind. And she certainly would have been better off um, at a school that had that for an undergrad or at least geology for an undergrad um, major, as a lot of schools do. But, you know, it definitely wasn't the end of the world. Uh, You know, a lot of liberal arts colleges won't have a business major but they might have incredibly strong economics departments that feed very well into MBA programs. So you also have to give that some thought, like what is your ultimate career? And is that something that's going to mean you need an advanced degree? It might really not matter whether or not you're in that, um, you're actually in a business program or in a pre-law program. I mean, I had mentioned, obviously, that I majored in biology and English literature, and then I went to law school, so I didn't need to be in a pre-law program. I didn't take political science or economics, not one class. So Mm -hmm. I definitely did not do any kind of pre-law, and I got into a great range of law schools. So if anything, it might make you stand out more um, for the application process. So there's not any one right path, but you do definitely need to know kind of more about yourself up front um, to figure out where you're going to fit. Yeah, it just kind of allows you or kind of forces you to think outside the box more, right? Like, like you said, a lot of people think you have to do an undergraduate business program or you have to study political science. But if you go to a liberal arts college, you'll be able to kind of step outside that. And like you said, it might make you even more unique to those law schools or business schools. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another good statistic for you to ask about when you're visiting schools. Find out how many students go on to graduate education and um, their percentage of acceptance and what kind of graduate education. Because some of the elite liberal arts colleges are very much known for producing PhDs and less well known for producing um, MBAs and JDs. So depending on what you're looking for, um, it may <laughs> they may have a great graduate school rate, but that wouldn't necessarily be the right thing for you. You know, if you wanna go on and be a college professor and you find out that the school you're looking at produces almost no PhDs, that's really not the school you should be looking for, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's, it's an odd statistic, but one that might be well-suited to you, you know, if to actually ask that question and look into it. The schools keep all those numbers, so they should be able to tell them to you. Yeah, you definitely just have to, like we keep saying, do that research. Um, mm-hmm. So we've kind of talked about, you know, maybe reasons that some students might not want to go to a liberal arts college or just things to think about. But is there a certain type of student that maybe you start working with them, you hear about them and you immediately know, oh, this student would do great at a liberal arts college. They should definitely apply to one of these schools. Yeah, my my students that I have strongly recommended they at least consider them are definitely the ones that are the most intellectually curious about a large range of areas mm-hmm. because you know it that was the most fun part of being at a liberal arts college was to be able to look at your course catalog every year and say you know what I'm going to pick these four classes that have literally nothing to do with each other and as long as I get one credit towards the major I'm working on I'm fine 
<laughs> and mm-hmm. I can try a whole bunch of different stuff. And if I wanted to shift to a different major in my junior year because I suddenly got really into something, I could. You know, the flexibility is just unparalleled. So it is a really good thing when you have people that are super excited. Um, and also if you have just really divergent interests. So right now I'm working with a student who just loves math and philosophy and is very into the connection between the two. And she would just be perfect at, at in both math and philosophy classes at a liberal mm-hmm. arts college. Because those are the kind of students you see. I mean, my um, one of my best friends who now has a PhD in math was a math major. And she ended up picking up minors in linguistics and computer science, which she wasn't planning on, just because she saw the connection to math and loved it when she yeah. was just taking them for fun. So that's the kind of thing that happens. And you can kind of see when students are into that kind of exploration. Um, when I have students that are much more professionally minded, then I don't usually recommend the liberal arts colleges to them because that's, it's not that it's not workable. I mean, I've had, you know, in my life, I had a very successful legal career. So it's not as though you can't go into a profession from a liberal arts college, but it um, it is not as clear cut a path and you might actually not enjoy the classes as much. So if you were really excited about taking business classes or um, say you really want to go into something that's very technically specific, um, say film development, you know, you're really into learning mechanics of something um, that might not be offered at a liberal arts college. And, you know, for example, few liberal arts colleges have engineering uh, majors. Um, Swarthmore did, and it was actually rather unique in the least of the elite liberal arts colleges to have that. And, you know, if you want to be an engineer <laughs> or say an architect, you often don't see that at liberal arts colleges. So it really depends a lot on what they're interested in or what they think they might be interested in. Um, Cause you certainly don't want to go to school for a couple of years and then have to transfer because the school doesn't have what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but for students who just want to learn and they're really interested in broad based academics, it's perfect. Yeah, and I hope that's kind of comforting to certain students. I know I was just talking to a family recently where the the family was really worried because their student had so many different interests and they were wondering, you know, how is she going to write about this in her application? What is she going to say she wants to study? What will admissions officers think? But for that kind of student, you know, a liberal arts college would be great. That's what it seems like those schools are looking for in their students. Absolutely. I mean, they want the students to be excited about stuff, but it doesn't have to just be one thing. And I think that that's, you know, an important thing to understand. And it can be hard to, because as they're going through, especially, you know, their process with us, um, we really do like to get students passionate and focused on one or two things. And I think it can be stressful to students if they still have, you know, three or four other things they want to make sure they can do in college. And I think it is really important to understand that you get to do a bunch of stuff in college. Just Mm. because you might have a favorite thing doesn't mean all those other things disappear. Um, And it is especially true when you go to a liberal arts college because they're actually encouraging it. And because of that, when you apply to a liberal arts college, it's absolutely fine to write your personal essay on a topic that has nothing to do with your activities list and even write your activity essay on something that doesn't have to do with your activities list. You know, they really Mm -hmm. are interested in seeing where your mind goes and that you are, again, just really enthusiastic about whatever you're talking about. The enthusiasm is huge, though. That's something that we definitely looked for in the admissions process. 
Yeah, so I'm kind of curious about kind of what admissions officers at liberal arts colleges were looking for, you know, for students who are listening to this and they're like, oh my God, this sounds like the perfect school for me. What do I have to do to get in? Because for a lot of the elite schools that we've been talking about, just because they're small schools does not mean that they are easy to get into. The admissions rates are still really low for some of these schools. Yeah, no, that's kind of crazy. I remember and this is years ago and I think it's just gotten worse. But when I was working at Swarthmore, um, you know, because they have an admissions, uh, you know, they, they have their general percentage of admit rate. But then depending on where you're coming from in the country, it changes because mm-hmm. they, again, being a small school in a very small school, they have to balance it out because you can't have everyone just coming from one region of the country. That would get right. very boring. So if you're coming from their more common regions, so for Swarthmore, that was the Northeast portion of the United States, the area surrounding the Philadelphia area um, and the Mid-Atlantic, that was much more common than say um, people from the Midwest. They would, sometimes there would be years where the admission rate was about 3% acceptance. And so that's horrifying, right? So there was just a ton of incredible students that got turned away regularly. Um, And this was, This was less true at Oberlin, but it was still tough. I read the applications for New England and we were, I was frequently turning away amazing students. But yes, so it it, it can be tough when you think about things like, you know, when you start looking at admissions rates and thinking, you know, what I have to be really special. I have to stand out among everyone else. But the important thing when you're putting your application together is to really be genuine, you know, not to pretend that you're someone you're Mm -hmm. not, but just to be genuinely you because it is very hard to guess what they're going to need for the class. It's incredibly hard actually to read applications for a smaller school because you can't have too many of any kind of person. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a result, you know, we'll put people into the pool and then take people back out. I mean, we don't, this is all before we tell you, right? But it's to Mm -hmm. try to balance the class out. So you could be, amazing and just unfortunately there were 20 other students that were kind of amazing in the same way and you can't have 20 of them you know you have to have people that are amazing differently but that's the part that's a bit of a a roll of the dice and so all you can really do is to make sure that the admissions office knows all of the reasons that you would contribute to the campus that's always the way to think about it because that's how admissions offices think about it what is this person bringing to our campus And that's why I was mentioning the enthusiasm because they don't just want you to have a unique perspective and they don't just want you to have done really interesting things. They want you to be really excited about sharing those things with everyone else. So that is a very important thing to get across. And so you shouldn't spend a whole ton of time obsessing over, you know, what aspect of your activities you need to stress you should spend time obsessing about how to stress them to show how much you like them, right? What you're doing is not quite as important as how excited you are about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess the other big thing (laughs) that could really screw people up in applications is almost all of the colleges I know of, because this used to be kind of a joke among, among admissions counselors, had some kind of version of a supplementary essay that asked you why you were interested in that particular school. Mm -hmm. So at Oberlin, we weren't that exciting. We called it the why Oberlin essay. Mm -hmm. But so often those essays begin to sound the same. I mean, I, I visited 43 schools when I was in high school. 
Wow. Almost all of them were liberal arts colleges. They actually do have distinctions. And so you, mm-hmm. need to, you need to make sure you know them before you apply to them. Because if you don't mention them, you're really going to end up on the bottom of an admissions file. Because they're going to say, sure, they applied here, but why aren't they... Why are they interested here and why are they just going somewhere else is something that should be really coming out, you know? Right. Because, I mean, admissions officers want to know that, okay, if we accept you, we need to actually know that you are really interested in coming to this school or else they're, you know, they're not going to offer you that admission if, you know, they can't tell that you're actually excited about this school, not just 20 other schools as well. Yeah, exactly. And especially with the common application, um, making it so easy to apply to a whole bunch of liberal arts colleges. I can, mm-hmm. I can actually still remember when that first went in to being and it really threw everyone for a loop because suddenly everyone was applying to, you know, 10 or 15 schools easily. And mm-hmm. it really threw off um, the numbers that matter so much to schools. And that's the percentage of students that who are accepted, who come is a very important number to a college. Mm-hmm. And, also, the amount of students who come and then stay is very important. Right. So they want to make sure that you are really excited about the school itself. So I know it's, it kind of sounds like the same answer, but there's really two things. They want to know you're excited about what you do to, because they want to know you'll contribute that to the campus and you'll share it with everyone else. And they want to know that you're excited about the school itself. So as much as you can make enthusiasm come through in a piece of paper, that is really what you need to be focusing on above everything else. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. And I also really like what you said earlier about um, admissions officers kind of looking for a well-rounded class. Kind of like you said, there's not much students can do about what the college is looking for that year. Um, but I think it's kind of a bit of ins- like interesting inside information about you know, how admissions officers are actually looking at this And, you know, if you do get denied from a certain school to realize that it might not necessarily be completely your fault, you still might be an amazing applicant, but you just weren't exactly what the school was looking for that year. Yeah, no, that that happens more often than not. Um, The other thing, too, uh, just in terms of a strategy, if you are excited about a school, you should absolutely apply early decision because a large portion of these small schools are built on early decision applicants. And so if you are similar to an early decision applicant who we already know is coming, it does actually make your chances of getting in worse. So because, you know, we already know that person's going to be in the class. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know if we should give you a position because you have some similarities to them. And I know that sounds a little harsh, but, you know, we can't admit, say, you know, 20 kids into the theater program. And right, then continue right. to admit like early decision and then continue to admit students that we know want to be part of the theater program when we know that at our school, we only do four main stage theater shows. It just it wouldn't mm-hmm. be fair to the students. You know, you want to make sure it's balanced so everyone can get the resources that they need. Um, you know, we can't just bring in English majors and not have anyone for the science professors to teach. <laughs> so it, right. is, it is a balance. Right. But if and, you really yeah. want to secure a spot, doing it early decision is probably the best strategic call you can make. Right. And that's kind of what I mentioned before is because these schools are so small, it can be even more difficult because of those issues we were just talking about, about balancing the class and departments only being able to hold so many students. You don't want a super lopsided campus or anything like that. 
Well, I mean, exactly. Plus, you know, the schools brag about their small class size. Mm -hmm. So because of that, you know, it's, it's not that the professors aren't there, but that they really can't have too many students that are all going to declare certain majors. Right. Because they won't be able to teach them without it becoming, instead of an eight-person seminar now, you're just looking at 25-person classes. And I think you'd be disappointed if you applied to a small school thinking you'd have that real one-on-one -on -one experience and then you don't get it. Yeah, definitely. Because like you said at the beginning, that's one of the major pros of going or why students apply to schools like that is because those are the kind of classroom environments they're looking for. Absolutely. And you have a lot of schools now who are really pushing their um, their natural sciences angle. Um, and and you, you'll probably, I mean, the students are probably going to, to see that, if, especially if they're interested in the sciences. Um, they have new lab space. And again, the big thing is access to the professors, time in the lab, small mm -hmm. labs. So you're not there with, you know, 35 other students. And that all gets blown up if you, you know, suddenly accept 45 potential chem majors. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah, and that's sure. why you end up putting students in and taking them back out again. So you know they're fine. If they actually got admitted and they're in the admit pile and then they get pulled back out, there's nothing wrong with that student. Nothing mm -hmm. whatsoever. Yeah. Well, awesome. Before I let you go, do you have any kind of, I guess, last words of wisdom or kind of um, anything you want to share about your experience at liberal arts colleges, both attending and reading for them? Well, I think the, the number one thing I would want students to know is if they do decide to go to a liberal arts college, um, that once they're there, they should definitely try everything that they think might possibly be interesting to them. There's mm -hmm. just no, there's no wrong decision to make. Um, so when, when I was in college, I was able to direct a one act play it was the only thing I ever did with the theater department. It was fun. I never took a theater class and I was <laughs> able to do that anyway. And I'm so glad I did it, even though that was the only thing I did. Because I was very into drama in high school. But in college, I was playing two sports and it was just a little hard for timing. Mm -hmm. um, but it was great, even for the one time. You know, there were classes I took, like my film class. I, at that point, I knew I wouldn't be a film major. I just thought it would be cool. I still watch a ton of movies and use my film critiquing skills, you know, just for fun. <laughs> yeah. um, and doing that, especially in your first and second year, can really open your eyes to other job possibilities, other, you know, uh, classes you might take. And it allows you just to meet a wider range of people. So just like in high school, you're encouraged to try a bunch of things. And we always tell our students, you know, find your passion, like look into things that interest you and go deep into whatever you are being you know, most excited about that doesn't stop in college. And it especially does not stop at a liberal arts college. So if you are going to go to one, make sure you take full advantage of that, because that's truly their strength. Right, it'd kind of be a waste to go to one of these schools and then not do that. So I hope that any students listening that go to a liberal arts college really take that to heart. But yeah, I don't think I have anything else to, to add. It's been great talking with you. Um, and I am excited that uh, you're interested in the topic. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on uh, and sharing all of this wisdom and information. And I really hope that uh, students listening actually add some liberal arts colleges to their list because um, I think, you know, especially after hearing all this, that they are really, really great options for the students that are kind of interested in, you know, the kind of curriculum we've been talking about. 
Well, as always, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I really enjoyed learning more about liberal arts colleges, and I do genuinely, genuinely hope that any students or parents listening consider adding them to their school list. As Mary was saying, there are so many benefits. Uh, I will link our blog below where we have some articles about liberal arts colleges, um, so you can do more reading if you're interested. Uh, as always, you can uh, follow us on social media to ask any questions at Ingenious Prep Anywhere. Uh, and we also have our link to our uh, free consultation if you're interested in talking to one of our experts about liberal arts colleges or big national universities. Um, we are happy to talk to you about your school list and everything like that. Uh, that's all for now. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office. Mm -hmm.